place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the, there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Please be seated. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you just for the privilege even of revisiting this account of your creation. We've sung about it, we've read about it, we're thinking about it. Help us now, by your Holy Spirit's power, to glean what you'd have us to glean from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So by way of introduction, we've just started a 10-part sermon series on God's sovereignty. We need this so badly. Some of us need God's sovereignty and an understanding of that as we even process and deal with things that happened in the past. We need to say, where was God? And we need to look and understand God's sovereignty in our past. Some of us need it because we're afraid of the future. We're a little nervous about what's coming. And understanding God's sovereignty is, as they say, forewarned is forearmed. Uh, We don't know what's coming down the pike globally or just in our own lives. And it's best 
to be prepared ahead of time to say God is sovereign. And so with what's coming. I used to say about the old pastor who tried to train me, uh, somebody would be going in for surgery about 6 o'clock at the hospital. They'd see his little car chugging up their driveway at 5.30 to pray with them before they went in. And they said he always would say, so where do we see God at work in all of this? And he would always bring it back to God's sovereignty or a reminder that God is there somewhere even if we couldn't see it. We need God's sovereignty, God as God for our future. And of course we need it for our present day. What a life uh, we get to live as we live with the understanding that there's nothing that comes that surprises God. God never fired any angel for blowing it and protecting or taking care of you or, or paving a way for you. Nothing happens without God's permission, but even more than that, without God's ordaining it. So that's where we're at these 10 weeks. We've got some tough topics coming, fun, tough topics. Uh, Today is one that I think we all know, but this is foundational. God, sovereign God as the creator. God as the creator. God is sovereign over the earth because God's the creator of the earth. We've been singing about it. We've heard about it. Now let's think about it a little bit from the text. So I'd like you to imagine, let's say with this um, platform here, let's say we drew a line right down the middle of it. Here's a platform right down in the middle of it. On one side, we'll say on this side, is the creator. On this side is the creation. What kinds of things go in this side? What kinds of things go on this side, creator or creation? And what's the relationship between the two? Say, that's an easy one. We'll be out of here in three minutes. Well, it is easy, but you know what? The more we think about it, uh, there's some, some things to talk about scripturally, especially when it comes to the relation of the two. But what things are on this created side? What kinds of things? Well, we, we got a, an outline from scripture. Water, dry land, air, the firmament, the elements. Earth, wind, fire, all of those things. God, the building blocks of this life. Uh, We have a couple of chemists in here. A couple of chemists in here. Well, I, you know, I'll I'll say my thing. That's a paradox. But uh, they're doctors of chemistry and all that stuff. That's supposed to be a joke. Um, But uh, I remember, for those of us who are not science-minded, did anybody have to memorize the elements, the table of elements? periodic table is that what they call it that's not it is that what they call it I can't I had to memorize that thing in about 10th grade and know all of those symbols and all of those things and and boy that's a that was a toughie for somebody like me but do you know that God didn't just have to memorize them God created them and God put them all together somebody said uh, they've discovered a new element it's that little white thing you find in a hot dog sometimes Um, but uh But um, the elements, God made the elements. God created the earth. This is God's doing. The molecular structures, the atoms, all of the things that some of you are really, really good at, you science-minded people that can see it. Um, But you look at it and you say, God created it. There was nothing. And then there was something. And God created all of these elements out of nothing. 
which side, which half of the platform would all the science things go on? Where does science belong? Is science the creator or is science the creation? Well, biblically, we, we, we understand, although sometimes in our world, when we push God out, maybe science is what we put in God's place or try to put in God's place. But God says, no, science, all of those things that were created are on the, are on the creation side. What about the ideas that are here in the world, the mathematics? What about two plus two equals four? Where did that come from? It's a truth, and it's a universal truth. But, but who put that into play? Who, who laid all of those things out and then gave people the brains to figure that out and to see it and unfold it? Does that go on the creator side or the creation side? Trigonometry. Where did it come from? Couldn't even spell the word back in school. We would use the word trig instead, as in, I'm taking business math rather than trig this semester because my strengths are in literature and not in math. All that trigonometry stuff, all the geometry stuff, where did it come from? Was it always there, eternal? Well, all truth is God's truth, but God was there. Truth was there. God was there. And that goes into the realm of creation. Have to put it in the creation box. All truth is God's truth, and we say that. But everything that's there is from God. Plant life that we sang about. Trees, shrubs, bushes, flowers, vegetation, all of those things. If we could go back to the Garden of Eden and take a look at it and see that that God created. That's a created thing. That's not something that is in charge. And so the world today might, 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 as they try and get God out of his box of sovereign, they might say, well, the earth is sovereign. Nature is sovereign. Mother earth, mother nature. We say we love the earth that God created. We've sung about it. We've thought about it. There's nothing better than getting out in nature. But that's not in this box. There's a creator. There's a creator. And there's creation. And we've got to not give in to letting other things seep into the place of the one true God who's the creator. God is God. He's the creator. Everything else is creation. And we don't diminish creation. God made it. It must be good. Think of all the different kinds of of trees. Anderson uh, cut some trees down for me and one of his employees uh, was brand new to this uh, country and only knew Spanish. And he was helping. We were stacking some of the wood out there. And I was trying to communicate to him. Um, we wanted to keep the applewood tree that had been cut down different from the other trees. And I remembered ninth grade, and, and Sandy can correct me, but uh, he, he understood. Juan understood. I said, uh, Rojo red, the applewood. Rojo here, Blanco here. And he got that. I'm like, I feel pretty good about myself. I remembered ninth grade Spanish, my colors. Did I get it right, Sandy? Okay, good. Um, You think um, with the trees um, and and people that are good and God gives people minds to cultivate that, 
to tell the difference between the different kinds of plants and things. Um, That is all a gift of God's creation. I mean, the only tree that some of us can tell is a dogwood tree, and that only because of its bark. But um, I'm sorry, that's the last joke, the last joke for the day. All right, but um, you think about God making it all, God creating it all. It is all God's. The animals, different animals, big animals, littler animals. God could have, if God had wanted, could just say, I'll make something called animals, and they can all just be uniform. He didn't do that. And even in the Garden of Eden, giving them names, or having Adam give them names to distinguish God, when God created things, made his animals, his trees, weather patterns, things like that. That goes in what box? That goes in the creation box. God created it. God is here, and God is by himself here, and everything else is creation. Now, I think the biggest fight, the biggest thing that, that, that we humans in our sin want to put in this box is not necessarily Mother Nature or science or uh, intellectual this or that. The number one thing that we want to put in this box to go along and be kind of like joint along with our sovereign God is what? Ourselves. We want to appoint ourselves to be God or maybe some other person we give our loyalty and allegiance to. Uh, God is the creator and even we ourselves, we people, are who we are created by God. Even in scripture it says God created Adam, God created Eve, male and female, he created them. And he put them in the creation box. And we want to jump out and say, I want to recreate myself. I want to do things that are different. I want to be God. And I want to play God in my own life. And for Christians, we understand that. Because we might remember if we got, became Christians later on in our lives, we might remember what it was like to have to have something that was greater than us, some sense of purpose. We might remember when we tried to put other things in. Now we say, no, there is a God There is a God who's a creator God. God is here, everyone else. And not even us when we try to assume God's role. Which side of the platform does it all go into? Everything? The created side. Which side are you in? The created side. Uh, In the old King James, when I was a kid, we would memorize this. We would hear, and we're going to hear this verse at the end of the sermon... Uh, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, was the way the, the old English said it, creature. We remembered, we, we would tease each other because we would think of the creature feature movies on Friday night that they would show back to back and, and all that. But that word creature means you're a new creation. God's the creator. God and only God. God is here. Everything else is there. Everything else The good, the bad, the ugly, all of it is there. God is here. One God, one sovereign God, one creator of all things is here. And everything else is there. Nobody else should or can or ought to even try to put anything else in that box of God from this created side. There is the creator 
there is the creation. One being, everything else. We've got to get that down. I don't... I don't. I hope that by overstating, I'm not overstating it. I don't think you can say it enough and think it enough because we all get tripped up and we start to forget about God and we're living in this world here of the creation. And God constantly in His Bible, in His Word, reminds us. In about three weeks, we're going to dive deep into Romans 9 when we're talking about God and and salvation and election and those things. But even for right now, uh, take a brief look or listen as I read Romans 9, 20 and 21. The Bible says, But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honored use and another for dishonorable use? God is the maker. And the Bible compares him, he compares himself in Romans to a potter on a potting wheel. He can make whatever he wants out of that clay. He's the maker. His pot, his clay, he can make it and design it however he wants to design it. And we have no right to go back and complain to him about how we think he could have done a better job and should have done a better job. Why can you complain? Does not God have the right? Keep that in mind uh, three weeks from now. Maybe even read the whole of of chapter 9 because that's going to be a fun one. Listen, the whole world is God's canvas and God chooses what that canvas will look like. And being God... It's exactly what God wants, and if it looks like how God wants, it is therefore good. I've got a couple big, big volumes on my shelf. It's like, allegedly, and they might be right, Norman Rockwell, the illustrator. It's like every known picture, portrait, painting that Norman Rockwell ever did. All of his little drafts and all that, some of them are in black and white, some are in color, but there's one picture, and there, there's a, a guy, and he has said something to some girl. And this is set back in the 1940s or 50s or whenever. It's, I think it made the Saturday Evening Post. But you can see that portrait that he presented as the final portrait. But there are six or seven different expressions he tried out on that girl's face before he chose the one that made the cut. Uh, in one, she's surprised. In one, she's mad. In one, she's uh, kind of got a, little, got a little smirk on her face, a little Mona Lisa thing going, whatever. But there's six or seven. And in the end, he chose the one. He was fine to choose that. Can you get mad at him and say, you should have chosen this one that made the picture tell a different story? No. He is the author. He's the illustrator. He's the creator. It's his choice. God is in this box. God is the creator. God's choice. God's good choice. Uh, We have to see this. This is foundational. We submit to a sovereign God, a God who didn't take a poll and say, how many of you think I should do this? How many think I should do that? Uh, God does what God does. God is God. And I'm not. And you're not. And so we look at God and we say, God, you did what you did. Throughout your scripture, you tell us that you are sovereign. 
There were two people sitting on a bench. The way I heard it told, it was in the Louvre, but it might have been in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. But there were two people sitting there. And they were looking at a painting, a very famous painting that other people paid lots of money to see. And those two guys were just sitting there criticizing every aspect of that artwork. And they were doing it loud enough that other people were hearing. And I would have done it this way. And boy, see the dimensions are off here. And this is bad. And the color, why didn't he choose this color? And finally, the curator of the museum walked up to those two men, those critics of that work of art. And he said, gentlemen, I want you to know you are saying more about yourselves right now than you are about that work of art and the creator of that art. We rail against God, and we talk about it, and we complain about it, and we refuse to accept. Uh, I think when we do that, we say more about ourselves than we do about the creator. The application in the first lesson today is remember which of these two categories you are in. Are you the creator or are you the creation? It'll help your perspective. It'll be lining up with the truth, and it's a basic elemental step of life that matters. We were made in God's image. God makes good choices. I didn't do this before. Cameron, are you Cameron? Who made you? What does God make? God makes good choices. God made you and God makes good choices. Understand that. Take it from a child. It's true. God made you. God made a choice. He had a choice when he made your wife. What kind of choices does God make? God had a choice when he made your husband. What kind of choices does God make? God had a choice when he made your kids. What kind of choices does God make? God had a choice when he made your siblings. What kind of choices does God make? God had a choice when he made your fellow worshipers in your church. What kind of choices does God make? God makes good choices and God's the maker. We've got to get that down and understand that. We understand that. uh, That's our first step. Not saying... You're not human if you wish things had turned out different. God knows that. God knows our heart and he knows our regrets and God knows our our wishes and God knows. And there's a way even to humble yourself and say, God, I I don't know what you're doing. If it was me, I would have done it a little different. But God, I lean into and I submit to you for how you've created things. And I... The more I get to know you, God, the more I understand that I can trust you even if I can't understand why you do some of the things you do when you do it. That old hymn says, farther along we'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. Some of the best things that have happened have come out of the worst things. We know that. So now, we've spent a lot of time talking about this box. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this box. So, so uh, refresher. Who is the only being, the only thing in this side? The only thing. Everything else is over here. The only thing is God. Sovereign creator God. God is here. What about God? God, the Trinitarian God. 
Uh, you think about uh, reading in Genesis 1 where it talks about the Spirit of God hovering above the waters. I've heard some well-meaning people say, well, that's not necessarily Trinitarian. Uh, these are Trinitarian people, but they've said there's a Hebrew word and that could mean this or that could mean that. Traditionally, though, and what I believe is you see Father, Son, Spirit together in the act of creation right there. Um, you're in good company if you believe that. It's very similar to when Jesus was baptized. You know, God the Son being baptized, identifying with the people he came to save. The voice from heaven saying, Behold my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the dove floating down. Same language, hovering down. And you see Father, Son, and Spirit there. Holy God, our Trinitarian God there as part of creation. John 1, 1 through 4 uh, says this. The only accounts of creation are not in Genesis 1 and 2 about God being the creator, but they are there in the New Testament. They're there throughout. John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And we understand from the whole context that John 1 is talking about Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. It goes on to say, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And then as if to make sure we get the point, it goes on to say, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. God declaring over and over again, he's the creator. He's the one. Got a problem with the way things are going, with with the creation that he made? Well, uh, you can talk, you can come make an appointment, I'll meet you anytime. But what am I going to (laughs) say? Let's talk to God about it. All I can do is is push you on to God. Every now and then, God has to remind us, people, that we're not the creator. Um, To make it easy, and I want you to see this. If you would look at page 443 in the Pew Bible, or if you're really quick with your Bible drill stuff, Job Chapter 38. Job chapter 38. The very end of Job's life, when, or Job's trial, when Job had gone through all of his things, and all these friends had come over and given him bad theology, and he'd been tempted to curse God and all of this. You see these passages. I really would like for you to make a mental note or even a written note. And when you get really overwhelmed by the world, and you think things are, 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 are out of your control, just go to Job 38 and 39 and see Job's response to somebody he loved dearly and what he had to say. Let's look at a couple of verses in Job 38 and 39. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. And this is God speaking to Job. It is also God speaking to us. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? And who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Where were you when I made this earth, he said? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from its womb and I made its clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band 
and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Basically, he's talking about who put this universe together, keeps the earth at just the right axis, uh, spinning at the right way at the right time around. So the time and the tides are all coordinated. Who could put that together? Oh, sometimes we want to put chance in there, accident. What a, what a, a bad mistake to make if you say, here's creation, and in this box, instead of the creator, I'm going to put randomness. That's probably the worst. You'd be better off trying to put yourself in the box than put randomness and chance in there. Who made this? God made this. He goes on and on. It's, 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 worth, it's worth your time uh, to look and read. At, read. But um, verses 25 uh, through 33 are very, are very interesting to me, at least. Um, is it by... Of 38, I'm, I'm over on 39. 25 of, of chapter 38. Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste in the desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass? Has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth and who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of the Orion? Who's keeping all these stars in in their path? Uh, Who's doing all that? Uh, These created things are taken care of by their creator. And finally he goes, in chapter 40, he says to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. And that's loving God to Job, his servant, who he loves. But he's saying, listen, uh, you want to find fault with me? Can you really find fault with me? I'm God, and I'm your God. And Job answered the Lord and said what we all would say at the end of a conversation like that. Maybe some of us are thinking about it now. In fact, I used to have... uh, for our scripture reading, I would have this. We had one man that came up and would read the scripture and he got done the first time. He'd never seen this in his life, I don't think. And he read the scripture and he goes, man. (laughs) And he sat down, humbled. Um, Here's what Job did. Job said this, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I've spoken once and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Understand God is the creator. We, all of us, are in with all the other created things. One, the rest. Now, I read this deliberately this morning uh, for our confession of sin because what kind of creator? That would be the question. What kind of a creator? What's the relationship that you have with, if this is a creator who made you, who can do what Norman Rockwell or other illustrators did and say, I don't like that picture. I'm going to erase that girl's face. I'm going to take whatever painters do and and do that, and I'm going to put this expression on. If that's the creator, if that's the God in charge of everything, what kind of God do you hope that is, your creator? And what do you hope your relationship is with that God? Obvious. Obvious. 
And aren't we glad that God describes himself as he did, for instance, in Psalm 103, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And listen to this. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God, who created you, knows more about how you're created and what you're made of than you do. I think sometimes as a Christian, you're harder on yourself than God is. Doesn't it say, he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. God knew. God knew we couldn't come up with something. How can the creature, the created thing, make its own way to God? God had to come. The creator, to have the the relationship that's personal with us, had to enter our world because we can't figure out a way to get into God's world. I like how C.S. Lewis put it when he said uh, God was writing the script and he wrote himself into the script and he became in his own play and he came down uh, to take our sins upon himself and die for us. God had to be the one to come down. Throughout scripture you see that. Uh, Jacob's out in the wilderness as a for instance. And he's there and he's desolate. He's all alone. His brother's going to kill him. He's running to a new land and he sees the, the angel and the, uh, uh, the, the ladder, Jacob's ladder that we sing about and talk about. And the angel's descending. That's God building the ladder down, not Jacob trying to put some rocks together and climb up to God. That's the kind of creator that dwells in this box. And that's the relationship he has with the people that he's created. Uh, We've got to get that. And so just as we wrap this up, um, the whole word about creation and creating, it's in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if any one, any person, any, any human being that God created, any person that's in this box that's created if anybody that's in here is in Christ meaning if that person is a Christian if that person has repented of their sins has said I can't get to God they've put their faith in Jesus any person who's in Christ he is what a new creation God who creates makes a new creation out of his fallen people The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. Still quoting 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That's the the passageway. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, Paul's talking about himself and those who share the gospel, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins, their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The creature can be reconciled. The creature which shakes its puny little fist at God which has inherited uh, this sin from from when Adam and Eve first did that, and we were born with it. Somebody, I had a professor, he said, and he said, and don't you think that you could have done a better job than Adam? Adam was far better qualified than you. Uh, You would have blown it a whole lot quicker than Adam and Eve did. And he he really poured that onto us, because some of us are saying, 
You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to wring Adam's neck or something. But uh, we were inherited. God reconciled. We were enemies with God. And God, the creator, reconciled and made a new creation out of us, Christians. He says, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The original work of art damaged, vandalized, and scandalized, and beyond repair, and ready to be thrown out, just put it in the dumpster. Uh, God, paint a new new, uh, creation, make a new portrait. And God said, no, I like this one. I like it how I made it, and I'm going to reconcile this one. I'm the creator. I can do that. We said, humanity is broken beyond repair. But the creator, God, said, broken? Yes. Beyond repair? No. I'm the creator. I can restore. And that's what the Christian life is all about. That's our starting point. That's who you are if you're a Christian. You're someone who has been saved by God. The creator God has made a new creation from you. And I hope that you have experienced or will experience that recreation that works through his son Jesus. That's the hope. That's the the prayer. That's the possibility. And Jesus did say, and we're going to get in in a couple of weeks, we're going to get into some heavy-duty stuff. We're going to talk about election and and sovereignty and choice and all those things. Uh, Anchor yourself to this as we get into that mysterious realm that God wants us to get into because it's in his word. Jesus said, all who come to me, I'll receive. I will in no wise cast anyone out. Whoever comes to me, I receive. Um, and then we'll, we'll plug our, our, our understanding of sovereignty into election along with that. We got a great, we got a great situation. God made it. God's created your world. Some of your challenges, some of your um, misgivings, some of your fears, all that. Um, Realize the one in this box, the creator God, is still taking care of his world and his people. And if you're his people, uh, there is nothing that can happen to you that is not ordained by the creator. Um, let's, Let's pray and let's go to the Lord's table. Lord, we thank you for uh, understanding uh, from your word. Thank you that you are the creator, that you are the sovereign. We thank you for entering our world, uh, sending Jesus uh, to be uh, fully human, uh, fully without sin, though tempted like we are, the perfect sacrifice on our behalf, the one who went to the cross out of love for the people he came to save. And we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you that we can remember and walk with and look forward to worshiping in heaven and everything about our Christian life uh, in the day-to-day will you have us. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
For I received from the Lord what I also delivered unto you, 